Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm unashamed. About half of y'all, you're not yet, but you will be by the time I'm finished preaching. Come on, right? Let me set it up like this. Often we ask, when we ask for a person's signature, we call it their John Hancock, Right? They're John Hancock. And, and this, you ever wonder why? Well, uh, those of you that are under 30 have literally never heard that saying ever in your life. And so uh, you can Google it or just listen to what I'm about to tell you. So uh, this, the reason why we say that is because of the 56 signatures that were on the Declaration of Independence. And so inside of that, one stands out above the rest. That one signature that is largest on that declaration is the, the one of John Hancock. John Hancock. He was the first to sign the Declaration of Independence, and he signed it with large and legible script so the King of England could read his name without using glasses. How many of y'all that wear glasses that you think, man, that's an accomplishment, right? If you read it without glasses, right? He wrote that name large enough that the king could read it without using his glasses. Mr. Hancock wanted it to be very clear where his allegiance was. Wanted it to be very clear where his allegiance was. His commitment to his country was so clear that when King George III offered amnesty to all those that would cease fighting at the end of the world, at the end of the war, John Hancock was one of the, among the select few who were left out of the order for amnesty. He was left out of it. To set this series up, I've got to be honest and, and, and be completely transparent. I'm burdened. My heart is heavy. I've never been more excited about the kingdom of God and advancing the gospel than I am now. I've never been more fired up about what God is doing, not only locally, but beyond our city. I mean, look around right now. This is incredible. Going into the fall, we got our team, we, we already take, we got to put more chairs out next week. It's incredible. I've never been more fired up about what God is doing in our midst. In fact, I've been up since 317 this morning thinking about this moment right now. I've been, I, I just, I, 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 I'm fired up about it. There was something unique about the story of John Hancock. He was unashamed about putting his name in a large signature on something that was going to change his life forever. That man may have not ever known peace again because he wasn't offered amnesty after the war was finished. Essentially, he could have been killed at any point. He could have been taken as a prisoner of war at any point. But it was important that he signed his name first, largest, and most notable legible. Church, I just got to be, I got to challenge us today. What if we were that unashamed of the gospel in our lives? What if we were that unashamed of what God was doing in our city? 
Now, the, I, I had one of our new family members that's been coming in the last month. He said, man, it's crazy. I've been coming to the church for like four weeks, and I've never heard you preach. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Well, let me just, got, I got to tell you today that I preach better when y'all preach to me, okay? Y'all preach with me. So we're what was called a talk back church, all right? Okay, so let's practice. Let's say amen. amen. Say oh me. oh me. Say I'm hungry. Come on, if you preach with me, I'll help you. Praise God. All right? You preach with me, I'll help you. Let me just tell you, church, Jesus is not coming back for a week wishy-washy church that's distracted, that's broken down, that the only thing that's growing is the weeds in the parking lot kind of church. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. No man knows the hour, but he's coming back for a church that's on fire and unashamed of his gospel. Here's my concern as your pastor today is that too many people have lost the fire that they once had to serve the Lord. They have lost that fire and too many times they've redirected it. They put it in all the things around them. They've lost that fire to the point where many are living a life they don't even recognize anymore. Instead of stoking a revival fire, you, you just find the embers that remain because of the freezing cold culture you've established in your life. See, culture is what we create and what we allow. What we create and what we allow. So what am I saying? Pastor Michael, what are you saying? I'm, I'm here to challenge you as your pastor. We're going to be a revival church. On this first Sunday of 21 days of prayer, it is time to go back all in. It is time to get over your past. It is time to get over your hurt. It is time to get over your issue. Get a tissue for your issue so you can live in victory and get over it. It is time to get back to living an unashamed life for the God that saved us. Unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed of his church. Unashamed to be a person of prayer. Unashamed to raise my kids differently than the world raises. Let me just tell you, kids, you're going back to school this week. Your kids are going back to school this week. It's okay to raise your kids differently than the world does, all right? It's all right. It's all right to raise your kids differently than the world does because we're in the world, but we are not of it. I'm unashamed to share Jesus. I'm unashamed to tell my testimony. I'm unashamed to be different. Why? Because there's a world that's lost and broken and hurting that's looking for some spiritual John Hancocks that would rise up, that we can make an impact on our city that would shake the spiritual foundation of our area. It would shake it. You know, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now we read that and we're like, man, that's on fire. That's awesome. That is not a defensive statement. That is not a statement. That is not a call for us to go on guard and put our shield of faith up and, and attack, uh, for the shield off this attack of an oncoming enemy. That's not what this is about. The Christian life was never meant to be safe. If you're looking for safety, the Christian life is not it. No amens right there, right? Right? 
The Christian life was never meant to be a safe one. God calls us to hard things because his kingdom expands when his people take ground. God calls us to do hard things like move to a city that we didn't know anybody. And God tells us to plant a church. And within two years, we've had two building expansions. And we're trying to figure out where to put more people. God calls us to do hard things because he wins when his kingdom expands and his people take ground. So when he says that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, that doesn't mean that the gates are coming towards you. That means you are on offense towards the gate. And I'm on, I'm on the move. I'm on the march, baby. I'm going to go when no one will go. I'm going to accept the calling that no one else will do. And when you do, there is not one devil in hell that can stop you. Church, it's time for revival. It's time for personal revival. We've seen the breakthroughs in lives this year. It's been incredible. But now we've got, it's time for revival. It's time for the lost to be saved. It's time for the sick to be healed. It's time for the broken to be made whole. We're not a church that chases the gifts, you know, the gifts of God but we're a church that's chasing after Jesus and his gifts naturally come. I want you to turn to Daniel 6 real fast. I've been too long already and I haven't even got my text. I got sweaty and I ain't even got to my text yet. You know, I'm not gonna beat the Lutherans, the Lubies today. <laughs> Daniel 6, they're gonna put it up on the screen. We're gonna be here all day, all day. No, I mean, not all day, but... Because your boy likes Sunday nap. Come praise God. (laughs) All right, verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So Daniel... Now Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. This chapter opens up on Daniel and Darius. Daniel is serving under King Darius and these satraps are like governors, okay? And so what happened here was Daniel, he had already been placed in high authority in a foreign land. He was in a pagan land. He'd been placed in high authority and uh, because that favor came from God, right? Great favor was placed on Daniel's life and he distinguished himself to be different. Why? How? Right? We find that that favor came from God, but realistically, what did that look like? It came because of his exceptional qualities. The giftings that God gave him, he activated them and God showed him favor. Church, we do the same thing here. This is why we do next, right? We, we, you know, we go through and we tell you the vision and the values of our church, but we spend most of our time helping you discover why God made you. Why? It's not because your purpose is serving coffee, but it's because your purpose might be hospitality and God might be wanting to open up that gift inside of you so you can win people for his kingdom, right? It's, it's, it's about opening that door. So what happened was Daniel was living in the gifts that God had given him, his exceptional qualities, and God gave him favor. He followed that path and God gave him favor. Great favor was placed on his life. He saw so much favor that the other administrators began to get jealous. How many know when you start doing well, some people start getting jealous? 
Anybody? Anybody? I, I see, I see, I see, right? They wanted to take him down. They were scared of what Daniel would do with the influence that he had, with the great favor that he had. This finally said, he said, I, we can take him down, but it's got to be with something to do with his God. You know, the enemy always attacks what he's scared of. The enemy will always attack what he's scared of. And so the enemy wouldn't attack you if he wasn't scared of you. The enemy wouldn't attack you if he wasn't scared of what you're going to do with the calling that God has given you, with the purpose that he's put on your life, with the destiny in front of you, with the things. The enemy wouldn't be hitting you so hard. With all of the things you feel like you can't turn without the enemy hitting you, he wouldn't be attacking you if he wasn't scared of you today. If he wasn't, if he wasn't scared. Verse 6, so the administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. They start out with fake love and fake honor, right? The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree. That's already a lie right there. That anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except for you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Wow. So King Darius puts this decree in writing. The reason Darius put it in writing was because they came to him with this fake love. They gave him false information and he signed it out of pride. The administrators came to him with fake honor. This was a pagan nation, not God honoring. So here it creates this tension. Now we have Daniel who is a God-fearing man and you have King Darius who has signed this edict into motion that no man could pray for the next 30 days to any man or any God except for King Darius. It creates this tension. It's a decision point. What will Daniel do? What is Daniel going to do here? Verse 10. Now Daniel learned that the decree had been published. Check out what he did. He went home to his upstairs room with the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You know, every one of us end up in tension points. How many, how many of you know that there's tension in life? How many of you know that sometimes there's, there's moments in life that stretch you? And it's like a rubber band and it creates this tension and it's, and it's this decision point for you. There are three things that I found in Daniel's decision here and his tension th that he did that I think we can learn from. The number one thing that he did in this verse, in verse 10, he went home. He went home. You know, home is special, right? You know the saying, home is where the pizza rolls are. <laughs> Just me. Home is a place in that culture, in our culture, where belief is nurtured. It's nurtured. You nurture values at home. You nurture beliefs at home. As much as we can teach your kids in kids' ministry, and we have the best kids' ministry in the world, just my opinion, 
I love our kids' ministry. My kids are in it. I'm seeing the effects of it. I love it. It's awesome, okay? As much as I love that, if that's the only instruction they're getting, they're not getting healthy enough. Instruction and values and beliefs are built at home. Home was that place. When, he was, when Daniel was delivered this awful news, it was literally illegal now for him to go and pray and worship. What did he do in this tension point for him? He went back to his place of first belief, his place of first development, his place of first faith, which was home. You know, some of you today, you've hit hard times in your life and you feel like, man, you don't know where you can turn. And what happens most of the time is the first place we turn is to our own reasoning, our own understanding, and our own desires. That's where we naturally turn. It's our own desires. But the first place we should turn is back to home. It's back to Jesus. It's back to Jesus. Any of y'all remember when you, were, when you first became a believer? Y'all remember that, anybody? When you were like, you first... You know, you were on fire, right? Anybody, anybody, you were like a new convert, right? You were all in, you know, right? You, you were, you, you, I mean, you felt like you could take on hell with a dollar store water gun, you know what I'm saying? Like you were all in to the cause of Christ. But then over time, the pressures of life, life come in and just press you down. It's it, it, that revival fire that was inside of you. You were fired up, feel like you could do anything, win anybody, you could do it. Man, you could go to your school, you could go to your job, you could do it. This fire comes out. Church, I, I just got to tell you, that same spirit that you, that you felt and you experienced when you first became a believer, that same spirit is in this room today. That same spirit. He hasn't changed. He hasn't gone away. His manifest presence is still here. He is still with you. He is still beside you. Such an incredible message last week from Nate. Amen. He is still here. Honestly, you know, I coach so many people through a lot of things in their lives, things that are going on. Honestly, what most of these meetings end up saying is, hey, look, yeah, you need some help, but probably you need to start out by being refilled with the Spirit again. Some of y'all just need to, you, the pressures of the world have weighed you so down, some of you need to just pray through again. Some of you need to get back to an altar in your life and get back to home because you've allowed the world to drain you, to stress you, to run you down, and you need to get refreshed again with his spirit. You need to go back home. You need to come back home. The second thing that Daniel did that was impacted, uh, impacting towards me is that he, he had his windows open towards Jerusalem. Now, think about this for a moment. I want you to put yourself in the shoes. Put yourself in the story. Daniel's country was not God-honoring. The law was signed. What would be our natural tendency? What would be this natural tendency? Oh, okay, all right, I'm gonna go hide in my home. It's only 30 days, right? I'm just gonna go hide in my home, close all the windows, I'll pray at my, like, quietly. I mean, nobody has to know. I'll do it real safe, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll just do it, and, and nobody will know, and, you know, then I'll just hang out at home, I'll turn on Netflix, and then i just, you know, I'll just do it that way, right? Not for Daniel, because Christianity, was, it, serving the Lord was never meant to be safe. Never meant to be safe. What did Daniel do? No way. He opened the windows. He was unashamed in pursuing God in his situation. He was essentially saying, what punishment can man bring that God can't revoke? 
How many times are we making decisions in our spirituality and we're closing the windows and we're taking or we're scared of man's social punishment? We're scared of what they'll think about us. We're scared of what they'll say about us. What if we said, what one thing could the world bring us that God couldn't resolve? Doesn't the word say, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? See, the society around you is signing social decrees seemingly every day, but revival delays because prayer decays. Stop decaying your prayer life and live a revival prayer life. You want your family on fire again. You want, that, you want that burning desire and that joy again inside of your life. Get back to a prayer life. Get back to an altar. You're, let me tell you, we can't have revival without prayer. I wish I got a better amen out of that. I just got to tell you, I wish we can't be a revival church without being a prayer church. We can have the best programs in the world. We can have the best sound system. We can have the best building right here in the middle of the woodlands. And we can have, I mean, we can just have the most beautiful, awesome people and it'd just be awesome and it'd be great. But if we don't pray, it doesn't matter. For us to be a revival church, we've got to be a prayer church. Unashamedly, a revival church is an unashamedly praying church. Let's make it real. Let's get, let's get practical. Someone at your work gets diagnosed with cancer. Culture tells you, well, it's work. You can't pray here. Right, you can go back to your room, close your window, super safe, and you can pray that God will impact. Now, I don't think there's anything, God will use prayers everywhere. But what if? The word also says, that the prayer of the righteous man availeth much. And there's something special. Your prayer could open the door to their healing and their salvation. What if we were unashamed enough to say, instead of saying, hey, I'll put you on my prayer list. Say, hey, would you mind if I prayed with you right now? I believe that my God can heal you and it can happen right now. I know you're an accountant, but we can account for all the ways God's about to heal you right now in your life. Amen. Students, you're about to go back to school. You're about to go back to school. You're in a world that's telling you, well, you know, there are all roads lead to heaven and all roads lead to God. Let me just tell you, there's only one road and his name is Jesus. Amen. Unashamedly. There are, I'm sorry if that... That offends you, but it's just the truth. So it's just what it is. But you're going to school and you're going into the society. You're going into this culture where it's, it, you're, it, the stream is sending you one way. What if you had? What if we had some young culture setters? Uh, where are my vibrant students at? I need to hear from you. Like you, yeah, today is vibe, a vibe night. Okay, I need to hear. Where, where y'all at, vibrant students? Y'all been way louder at that with some belly flops. I need to hear where are my vibrant students at. There we go. Hey, what if you guys set the culture at your school instead of swimming with where the stream is going, you swam upstream and said, I'm going to be people of prayer. I'm going to be a student of prayer. I'm going to pray. It doesn't matter where. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be unashamed. I'm going to open the window a little bit so God can bless me and so I can bless others in Jesus' name. 
regardless of what anybody else says in this world, regardless of what Washington says, regardless of what the news says, we need some Daniels that will open the windows. And I know I'm not getting a lot of amens right now because y'all are uncomfortable, but I'm preaching it that way on purpose so you might get out of your box a little bit, honey. You're putting God in one of those little U-Haul boxes and saying, all right, God, you're my Sunday God. Now I'm going to my Monday work. No, ma'am. God's way too big for that U-Haul box. You better open that thing back up and let God into the rest of your life. Open up the windows. Unashamed. The third thing he did is he, just as he had done before, he went back to the well that he knew had water in it. For Daniel, prayer was his first response, not his last resort. It was the first thing. Something's going on. I, we need to pray. It's not, oh, we got to figure out how to pay for it. We got to figure out how to do it. We got to figure out how to work all the steps. I got to tell somebody else about it. I got to post it on social media because the internet needs to know. <laughs> now, when something happens, the first resort, the first is prayer. The first response. Daniel went back. He, he could have gone to the king and he could have, he was well known and well liked by the king. He could have been like, hey man, can we talk about this? I know they said that I agreed to this, but I didn't, right? He could have went back and that wouldn't have been a bad thing to do, right? But I feel like sometimes we fall so much in, in love with the work of God that we forget about the God of the work. That we fall in so much love with, 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 with and, and don't get me wrong, I believe in purpose. I believe in destiny. I believe in all of that. And I think you should pursue that. But the moment where you tip that and you start pursuing that more than you do the God of your destiny, I feel like you've created an idol that, that was not supposed to be there in the first place. So what Daniel did is instead of saying, okay, I, I'm going to go back to King Darius, I'm going to talk with him. His first response was to go back to what he knew was going to see him through because prayer is to the believer what capital is to the businessman. I want you to sink, let that sink in for a minute. Prayer is to the believer what, the capital, what capital is to the businessman. A businessman cannot do business without capital. You need money to make money. My businessman, amen? Businesswomen, Amen. You need money to make money, right? Too many Christians are trying to live a victorious life without your capital, which is prayer. You're trying to live a victorious life. Here's the, here's the hard truth, is that a sinning man will stop praying and the praying man will stop sinning. You're making one decision, you're going one. And intentions never won any spiritual battle. So 21 days of prayer sounds amazing, but it is just an intention. It is just a book until we do it, until we get back to the well that we know has water in it and we say, I'm gonna do what has worked in the past. I know my God can come through. Check out what happens next. Daniel is unashamed and he continues praying three times a day. He goes and he's doing what he does. Check this out, verse 13. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. Snitches get stitches. I'm just saying. Your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing, he still prays three times a day. I can just hear it in this, like, sassy 
voice, right? When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He had, a, he had a range of emotions, but he was angry because Daniel disobeyed, but he was also sad because he really loved Daniel. So verse 16, the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. I love that statement. I love it. I love it. I'll talk about it in a minute. But if you're an ashamed believer, that statement scares the heck out of you. Because doubt creeps in, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to do all the things. Right? I've got to get all the things right. If I don't have all the things right, I'm not going to survive. But if you're an unashamed believer, that statement excites you because you understand that victory is on the way. That victory is on the way. But here's what I love about that. That King Darius, who is king of a pagan land, not a believer. He says this, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. He loved Daniel so much that you could hear a little bit of his faith changing inside of the statement when he, he literally gave him a death sentence. You could hear his faith changing in his statement. May the God that you serve continually rescue you. Rescue you. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. He was saying, I don't want nobody to come in here and change this situation. Let me just tell you, how many know that God can change a situation? It don't matter what man is trying to tell you. It doesn't matter what man's trying to put in your way. That God, I see some hands up because somebody's testifying that he made a way when there was no way, when there was issues, when there was financial troubles, when there was marital issues, that he made a way when there was no way, right? When man's trying to tell you, I'm going to put you in this cave where your situation can't change. Wait, so let's see what God does here. I see so many correlations between with what, what Daniel had to experience with the experience of Jesus. Let me show them to you. Daniel was thrown in a cave, given a death sentence for being obedient to God. Jesus was crucified and buried in a cave for obeying God. They rolled a stone over Daniel's cave to keep him in so no man could change. They rolled a stone over Jesus' grave to keep him in. That worked out. They put a royal stone or a royal seal on the stone to make sure that no one would change Daniel's situation. They say he signed it. They put royal guards in front of Jesus' tomb to make sure no one would change Jesus' situation. The next day, Darius rushed down to check if Daniel was still alive. Ran down there. On the third day, Mary rushed down to see if Jesus was alive. Check this out, verse 19. At the first light of dawn, Oh, King Darius, when that first little son came up, that first rooster went cock-a-doodle-doo. He got up out of the bed. He put his robe on. That joker was running down there. He rushed down. He hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, Daniel called out in an anguished voice. Daniel! Y'all like my anguished voice? Y'all like that? Servant of the living God. 
Has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? You see the, you can see his voice. You can see his faith changing and what he's saying. You can see his faith changing. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. Can you imagine they pull that stone away? King Darius is like, hurry, hurry, get the stone. Let's go, get it faster, 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 faster. And he calls down, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And Daniel calls up and he says, may the king live forever. King Darius thinks that he's talking about him, but Daniel's talking about the king that just saved him from the lions that could have eaten him. Darius finds Daniel alive and well, all because he was unashamed for God's plan and his life. The prayers that he prayed in his house saved him when he was in the cave. The prayers that he prayed in the house saved him when he was in the cave. Church, let me just tell you, the prayers that you pray in your house will save you in your cave experience. We need to normalize prayer in our houses again. We need to normalize an altar in our living room more than a television. That's not a loud enough amen for that. Let me just tell you. We have fallen in love with the newest show on Netflix and let the, let, we, that has become our idol. All the while the altar and that should be in our living room collects dust. All the while when we get into a cave situation, we say, oh God, why did you forsake me? And God is waiting at the altar saying, I'm just waiting on you to be unashamed of me again. Rather than turning on the newest thing, what if you got back on your knees and I think the church has got their knees too clean right now. What if we got back on our knees and said, Jesus, I need you more than anything. I can't do this without you. There's lions around me. What if we were unashamedly a house of prayer again? What prayers are you praying in your house? Verse 22, my God sent his angel. He shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. I was given a little context after first service. I wish I'd have known this before I preached this first service. We, we, we have some missionaries that, that, uh, that are uh, missionaries to Africa. And they told me this, that in Africa, they like straight up hunt these lions that kill people. They will straight up hunt them with like a bow and stuff. I was like, y'all don't take guns? Like, give them guns, man. Like, <laughs> here's some food. Here's a gun. Go. They like chase them down with arrows or something. He said, he said, here's why. Because these lions, when they get the first taste of human blood, it becomes their favorite meal. So the only thing that they want after that, they don't want the antelope, they don't want the deer, they don't want anything else. They come trapped and they're, they're, they're coming for each little village. And they're going to take a kid or they're going to take a mom or they're going to take a dad. And they're going to they're gonna eat those people first. The only thing that they thirst for is human blood after they eat human blood. It makes it even more remarkable that these lions who had been in a cave, that the only thing they're pretty much eating are people that are dipped inside of this cave. Their thirst has been for human blood. 
everything was set against Daniel. It was like turning the difficulty level all the way up to 10 and saying, all right, God, we're going to test you and see if it actually works. We're going to test you and see if you're actually going to come through this time. Let me just tell you, even in the midst of a den full of lions that are bloodthirsty for human blood, God shut the mouth of the lion because he sent his angel down. And he said, if you'll be unashamed of me, I will be unashamed of you. Let me encourage you today. Some of you right now in this house are feeling trapped because of a, you're, you're feeling like you're in a lion's den in your life. They're around you. They're surrounding you. Everything is growling and it's hungry in your relationships, in your job, in your finances, in your calling, in your profession, in your mental health. Church, let me tell you today, my God can send an angel right now in the name of Jesus to shut the mouth of the lion. It might even feel like the mouth is right there on you. Let me just tell you, it's not too late. He can shut the mouth of the lion, but he's looking for some Daniels that'll be unashamed in the face of turmoil. Church, this is the hour of revival. God is looking for some people that will be unashamed. It's okay with being different. I'm way too sweaty to be preaching like this. Verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown to the lion's den along with their wives and their children. I told you snitches get stitches. Is biblical. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Internet, don't send me an email. <laughs> and before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Let me just tell you today. The thing that your enemy was planning for you will be turned on them if you'll just remain faithful to God. The thing that your spiritual enemy has been trying to fight you with will be turned on him. But you've got to remain faithful. You've got to remain faithful. You've got to be unashamed of what God is doing in your life. You stay faithful and unashamed to the God who, who called you, who loved you, who saved you. I got to close. I close. Stand so I'll quit. I love that. I, I, I know it's, man, this is. Most preachers, they stop right here in the story. Man, God rescued Daniel from the lion. That was awesome. It's powerful. Woo! Powerful moment. I'm not going to stop there. Let me show you something. Let me show you something at the end of this verse. Let me show you. The end of this chapter, verse 25. And King Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all the earth. That's a lot of people. He wrote to everybody. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Daniel remained faithful to God in a pagan land and ended up changing the heart of the pagan leader. And how many times do we feel like, man, it's, it's a major sacrifice for me to be strong in my faith at work? 
church, let me just tell you, if you remain strong in your faith, instead of being influenced, God's favor makes you the influencer. God's favor makes you the influencer where you begin to change other people's heart. They notice there's something different about her. There's something different about him. There's some, they don't, they don't bow when everybody else bows. They don't sing like everybody else sings. They don't walk, they don't talk, they don't go to the things that everybody else goes to. Miracles follow the living God. He issues this decree that every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the the God of Daniel. For the living God, you can tell the countenance change. For the living God, he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. How many of you he's rescued you? Not only physically, but spiritually. I'm there with you, church. He rescued and saved me spiritually, but I was also, when when I was just a young boy, about three and a half feet away, away from being stabbed in my neck by a family member. He saved me. He rescued me. But he didn't just save me from something. He saved me to something. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders. Church, I've seen it. I've seen bodies be healed. I've seen blinded eyes open literally 10 feet away from me. I've seen it happen. A woman blind all her life, open her eyes, saw for the same for the first time when she was in her 50s. Can you imagine? Darius is seeing and getting a revelation of who God is. Not through preaching, not through a really cool worship song, but through the life and the experience of Daniel. Through Daniel being unashamed, it changed Darius. He says, in heavens, and he performed signs and wonders in heavens and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What I want you to do today is I want you to think about that and make that personal. He rescued, he rescued Michael from the power of the lions. I don't know what lions are in your life, have been in your life, but he's rescued you. Rescued Austin from the mouths of the lions. Rescued Caleb from the mouths of the lions. Rescued David from the mouths of the lions. Xenon, Patty. Rescued from the mouths of the lions. David. Rescued you from the mouth of the lion. He rescues and he saves. Let me just tell you, if you need salvation, Jesus can save you. If you need freedom, he can free you. If you need healing, he can heal you. If you need forgiveness, he can forgive you. But it begins the same way it always has. One person being willing to make a step unashamedly 
out of the comfort zone to push in and say, God, I need you. From Daniel to the prophets of old to the woman of, with the issue of blood who just had to push through to touch the hem of his garment, God always leans an ear to the one that is unashamed enough to swim upstream against all odds. It was the unashamed prayer of Daniel that changed an entire nation. One man unashamed. God gave favor from the king. Here's what I know is if, if you bow before God, you can stand before nations. If you will bow before God, there is nothing in front of you that you can't do. Every one of us today, we're entering 21 days of prayer in a Daniel situation. Our world is spiritually dying around us. How will we respond? Will we be weak and folding and go with the current because it's easy and it's safe? Or will we be bold and unashamed? I read this this week and it was impacting to me. I, I've, I've read it every day this week in preparation for this message. They're gonna put it on the screen, but it's a declaration. As I read it, I want you to make this personal. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed vision, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by His patience, live by prayer, and labor by His power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my God reliable, and my mission clear. I cannot be bought, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate the, at the table of my enemy, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I must go until He comes, give until I drop, preach until all I know, and work until He stops me. And when He comes for His own, I, He will have no problem recognizing me. Forgive me, but I want to close this service out a little bit differently. And I, 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 it looks a little different, okay? And so if you're looking for something different, come back next week. It'll be different, maybe. And, and, uh, but here's what I want to do. If you want to make an unashamed step towards Jesus, I want you to step out somewhere, out of your seat, out to the side. Some of you forward, you can step in this altar area. I want you to make a step. 
If you're saying, all right, 21 days of prayer, I'm in. I'm unashamed. Look at this. Look at this. People around you, come on. You're making a move. You're making a move. Now, this is a dangerous call. You're saying, I want revival in my life. As you're making that move, I want you to just lift those hands across this room. And I want you to begin to ask God for revival in your life. Revival in your marriage. Revival in your job. That God would begin to change your heart. That he would change your life. Change your marriage. You want revival? This is the way you do it. You make a step and you're unashamed. You put your own stuff behind. And you say, God, I want it all. God, I want it all. I surrender me and I give you all of me. God, I just surrender it all and I want to live for you and your will and your way. I want to pray over you right now. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for what you're doing in this house and these people. God, I speak a, a revival into these people right now, a revival of anointing, a revival of purpose, a revival of design, God, that they would, they've been through some stuff and they've got some lions in their face. But God, right now in the name of Jesus, I declare that you would shut the mouth of the lion and you would give them great victory, that there would be a decree signed in their life, in their home, and their family, that you are the God of heaven. You're the God of miracles, that you have shut the mouth of the lion, so we stand unashamed.